This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, Speaker Kevin McCarthy's options to avoid a government shutdown. Number two, Senator Tommy Tuberville faces the heat from his own party on his military holds. And number three, the latest from the vault on cannabis banking. All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's get right to it. This has been a very busy 48 hours on Capitol Hill. Uh, First things first, let's do a quick recap here of what happened in the House on Tuesday, where all the action is or isn't happening when it comes to government funding. Then uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Speaker Kevin McCarthy and what he may or may not do next. First of all, House Republicans were forced to pull the plug on a procedural vote for a 30-day stopgap funding measure to keep the federal government open past September 30th because, well, they didn't have the votes. Just hours later, the Republican leadership team suffered another embarrassing defeat on the floor when five conservative GOP lawmakers crossed the aisle to vote with Democrats to bring down the rule for the Pentagon's spending bill. So all in all, Tuesday was a bad day for McCarthy and House Republicans. So what's next? Based on our reporting, there are three general directions McCarthy can take with government funding. There's the quote-unquote kitchen sink approach, the bipartisan path, or do nothing at all. So let's dive a little deeper here into what McCarthy may or may not do based on those three different approaches, uh, and really focus on McCarthy's path to avoid a government shutdown on October 1st, the most immediate crisis facing House Republicans. Because, of course, remember, even if and when the government gets a short-term funding package, they are going to have to find, ultimately, a path toward a year-long funding deal. All right, the kitchen sink approach. If you know McCarthy and the House Republican Conference, you'll understand that right now, The Speaker has just one real chance to get a continuing resolution or that spending bill through the chamber. McCarthy needs to take all of the conservatives' demands and lump them together into one 30-day funding bill, ignoring how far-fetched or illogical these proposals are and accept what they represent, a means to an end. Some examples of that, Representative Ralph Norman, the Republican from South Carolina, told us that he'd vote for a CR if McCarthy committed to a $1.47 billion cap on discretionary spending and a schedule for the 11 remaining fiscal year 2024 approves bills to be considered on the floor during that 30-day stretch. Now, the top line number will be ignored by the Senate, but why not throw it in there? to get a CR across the finish line. Embracing this approach solves McCarthy's immediate challenge, although it leaves him with other problems. The short-term gain, of course, is he can possibly pass a bill. The medium to long-term problem here is that once the Senate, of course, gets that bill, they aren't going to like it. They're going to strip out many of the House Republicans' provisions and send a revised bill back to McCarthy. And then McCarthy's going to have to deal with a 30-day funding package that is based in reality and likely includes billions in Ukraine and disaster relief money. 
At that point, McCarthy can make the argument to his colleagues that House Republicans have to return to the reality of divided government and avert a shutdown or not. That and that time will be a difficult position for the speaker. Also, another weakness here is there's no guarantee that McCarthy, even if he's able to cobble together a package that has all of the different goodies from all of the different factions, that he's going to be able to find the number of House Republicans that he needs to get that package across the finish line. There are a number of House Republicans, including Representatives Matt Gates, Matt Rosendale, Ken Buck, Andy Biggs, Dan Bishop, and Tim Burchett, who may vote no, no matter what McCarthy does. That is the big conundrum there. So let's move on to the bipartisan approach. Now, if this were the West Wing, McCarthy would walk into the Problem Solvers Caucus and hash out a deal to avert a shutdown. He'd be talking, of course, to President Bartlett. Yet this is real life and not a TV show that's decades old at this point. And yes, McCarthy could easily pass a CR with a big bipartisan majority. But this approach would likely threaten McCarthy's hold on the Speaker's office. Gates is already leaving copies of his motion to vacate in bathrooms around the Capitol. If McCarthy's partners with Democrats, Gates may want to move the motion from the loo to the floor. And another option, do nothing. What if McCarthy can't pass anything? What if House Republicans are so irreparably split that they simply cannot get any funding bill over the finish line? This is a reality that Washington needs to start facing. McCarthy says he'll keep the House in as long as needed to get something done. But what if there's simply nothing that the leadership can get across the floor? For the record, House GOP moderates and conservatives met Tuesday night in House Majority Whip Tom Emmer's office to try to find a pathway forward. Time is short. There are 10 days until a shutdown. And the House is out on Monday for Yom Kippur. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, The Vault, our very own Brendan Peterson, doing a deep dive here on the Senate Banking Committee and the fact that it's going to be taking up cannabis banking in a markup happening one week from today. But how that reform would fare in the Republican-led House, as always, remains an open question. So Brennan checked in with the House Financial Services Committee Chair, Patrick McHenry, whose panel would receive any cannabis banking reforms that pass the Senate. McHenry told us that he hasn't had any conversations with Senate Democrats about cannabis reform yet, saying he'd look forward to seeing their markup. Now, the North Carolina Republican also had this to say when asked if he'd be open to that chat afterward. He said, if they originate policy, I'm happy to talk to them about it. I've got policy I've originated too. They should be interested in talking to me about that as well. So let's be clear here. McHenry's not really a fan of the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, which would formally clear banks to work with state legal cannabis firms. But we can't, so we can't say that that baseline opposition has shifted. What has changed, however, is the legislative environment between the two banking-centric committees. Both panels have been busy during the 118th Congress, albeit with wildly different priorities. Senate Banking Committee Chair Sherrod Brown, the Democrat from Ohio, has cleared legislation that would introduce new accountability standards for bank executives, while McHenry has moved dozens of bills over the past year covering crypto, business capital formation, and more. 
So McHenry seems to be acknowledging the political reality of split government here. If any of these banking bills are going to make it to President Joe Biden's desk anytime soon, the chambers will soon have to talk to one another. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. A very interesting look by Andrew Desiderio on Senator Tommy Tuberville, the Republican from Alabama who we scooped in the PM edition, got confronted by multiple GOP senators during the Republican lunch Tuesday about his strategy on military holds and what it would ultimately achieve. Senators who took to the floor included Senator Todd Young, Senators Mitt Romney and Joni Ernst. Tuberville then revealed to the group that he had plans to trigger a rarely used Senate rule to force a floor vote on one of the upper echelon nominees he's been blocking, General Eric Smith, President Joe Biden's nominee to serve as commandment of the Marine Corps. This sets up a key test for Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Democrats who have insisted that they won't use floor time to approve promotions Tuberville is blocking. But it's also a sign that Tuberville is getting enough pressure from his fellow Republicans that he felt like this was his best option to keep his critics at bay, many of whom have been calling on Schumer to put some of the stall promotions on the floor for votes. Tuberville on Tuesday gathered the requisite signatures for a cloture petition, a mechanism that allows a minority party to circumvent the majority leader for confirmation votes. In this case, Tupperville is forcing a vote on a nominee, Smith, for whom he's blocking unanimous consent, making the move even rarer. Republicans believe Tupperville's move allows them to force a vote at a simple majority threshold to shelve the Senate's pending business, the minibus appropes bill, and move forward with Smith's nomination. This initial vote would occur one legislative day after Tuberville files the petition. Schumer can try to jam up the floor to try to delay any cloture vote, but ultimately he can't stop it from moving forward, according to a Senate GOP leadership aide. Now, not all Republicans are supportive of Tuberville. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has expressed reservations privately about using a cloture petition, arguing it would come back to haunt Republicans if and when they're back in the majority. McConnell has also already publicly said he disagrees with Tuberville's blockade as a way to reverse the Pentagon's abortion policy. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Just want to flag, this is a busy week for events at Punchbowl News. We are, I'm going to be speaking alongside Jake Sherman uh, this morning with House Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith when what will surely be a very newsy conversation about the work he is doing on that panel. On Thursday, we also have a punch-up activation in partnership with Pharma on September 21st. Delaware Democratic Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester and many more special guests will be joining us to talk health equity. Uh, this is, of course, part of CBC ALC Week. Uh, enjoy, we can enjoy great networking, music, delicious food and drinks. It is all day long from 1030 to 330. So hopefully you will stop by that. You can RSVP for all of these and more at punchbowl.news at our events hub. And of course, you can sign up for our free morning newsletter. Get that in your inbox before 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. Just go to punchbowl.news and give us your email. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.